our study of the Church of Laodicea. I should finish all of the seven churches today, then next week we'll uh, move on to chapter 4. Revelation chapter 3, we'll read starting in verse 14. Bible says, and unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm, and neither hot nor cold, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need for nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked, I counsel thee to buy gold, tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest, mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh, will I grant to sit with me in the throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. We're finishing up with really, um, if you look at these seven churches as a whole, the worst of the seven. Uh, God has nothing good to say about the church of Laodicea in these verses. Nothing good. Uh, there were some other ones, and we had, you know, well, you're doing you're doing good here, but you're lacking in this area. There's nothing good that God has to say for the church in Laodicea. We talked about Laodicea, uh, some of the things about Laodicea that it was one of the richest. It was the wealthiest of the seven churches that we studied, the wealthiest city. Um. It was known for its center of banking and wealth. It was uh, known for its temples and theaters and a major medical school. We talked about that even, that um, this medical school was there and it was specifically known for this eye salve that they would use for various reasons. Um, they had a tremendous wool industry in town, uh, specifically for its uh, the black color that they um, manufactured the most. And it was also known for this nearby mineral spring that we talked about, that aqueduct that brought in the water to Laodicea. Well, through this aqueduct from this mineral spring, the water at the location was good, clean, refreshing. By the time it got through this aqueduct that was either clogged or old or was falling apart, by the time it got to town, it was lukewarm. It was 
rancid. It was just nasty water. So we get this picture here uh, mm. that God uses because he knows if I use this picture with these people, they'll get it because they, they're the ones dealing with that water issue, right? So we have this, that uh, this is the one church. Again, he had nothing good to say. And why? Why is that? Well, he says, um, verse 15, I know thy works, and thou art neither cold nor hot. You're not hot and you're not cold. You're, you're just lukewarm, he says. Uh, we had a pretty good discussion last week on the second part of this verse where he says, I would thou work cold or hot. I, you know, that brings up some interesting thoughts. And I appreciate the conversation on that last week. You know, here we have God saying, I would rather you be hot and on fire for me or cold and just maybe even non-believer because I can deal with either one of those positions easier than I can deal with somebody who's lukewarm that pretends to be a follower of me but is dead inside because I'm going to come to you and I'm going to say you're you're I mean, what's the salvation mess message? You're a sinner. You can't do your own salvation, no matter how good it looks to you and others. And for somebody who's playing this lukewarm thing, they can very easily kid themselves that they're okay. I mean, I'm in church. We go to church. We give. We assist we no you, I'm not seeing it you know it, you're the heart's not there and it, it, that individual is extremely hard to deal with people that are in churches today all over Ponca in the state and the country and I mean just the apostasy that goes on in churches the false teachings that go on in church buildings think about that for a second and we're focused and I don't I don't mean this to say we shouldn't focus here we're focused on the lost bringing them in right there are millions and millions of lost people in churches across our country this morning that are just as lost that are kidding themselves that that they're going to heaven how many times do you uncomfortably hear of somebody's passing and you know they were not saved whether from just their lifestyle or um, just having talked to them in the past, but you're you're clear. This was an unsaved individual, and you hear of their passing, and then you hear the family, well, they're watching me from heaven. Doesn't that just tear up your inside? It does me every time I hear it, because I'm I'm just like, and that false thought permeates down to the next person and the next person, and they think they're okay. When they're just as lost as the worst of sinner that isn't going to church. But it's hard for them to convince. 
So if we have, and I would dare say, there are many here this morning, probably even in Sunday schools, or in church later, that are just as lost. As if they wouldn't, they just, I mean, why show up? They're just as lost as the worst person sitting at home right now who, who uh, uh, just condemns God, doesn't believe God. At least, you know, at least in one aspect, they're, truth, they're being true to themselves, right? And God says, I can deal with that individual. Because when he gets to bottom, he'll know that I'm here. The guy that's kind of playing both sides, it's difficult. So we have the Laodicean church as a picture of that. As a picture of that. This lukewarm, half-committed to to, uh, outreach, half-committed to teaching, half-committed to evangelism, half-committed to stressing holy and pure living. I mean, they come here and they hear teaching, they hear preaching from the Bible. They hear truth, right? Go back to verse 14. These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, and the beginning of the creation of God. Everything in this book is true. It's from the Amen. Everything he says is true. And they hear teachings, they hear how we're, we should live, and then we don't do it Monday. We don't do it Monday. We go to the activities where there's um, alcohol, which leads to other things. We sit here on Sunday and go, yeah, it's bad, we shouldn't do that. The Bible teaches us we should abstain from uh, hard drink. Monday, when we got that pressure of the corporate world, we end up going. Well, I don't partake. Are you encouraging or not? Is your influence should be to bring somebody away from that, not to it? Um, Some of those people in those churches think they're not getting the message. Say that's what bothers me. They're not getting the true message. Rich and I was in it. No, yes. And we didn't realize we weren't learning about what we were supposed to learn about because that's what was taught to us in the church. Hundred percent. When we ended last uh, week's message, kind of talking about that, in that it begins many times with the leadership, right? Mm -hmm. The pastor. Are they not teaching and preaching the word correctly? There's a lot of not because the. The flock's going to follow that individual, yeah. at least till they realize different. Well, we finally realized it, but yeah. it, we went probably five years, four years, mm-hmm. kids went to church, we all went to church, and finally one day we said, we're not getting anything out of this. You know, you have that, but you also, a good Sunday school teacher. You, you have churches that are teaching truth, that are teaching Bible truth and we still find rationale to not conform to what God wants, how he wants us to live. Think about here with the casinos. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, that 
You know, I hear people all the time that I know go to churches in Ponca. I know it. I know that are serving on leadership boards of churches here in Ponca. Went to the casino tonight. Really? Did you? Yeah. Yeah, it's innocent. I only take, you know, $20. That's all I take. Prepared to lose it. Okay. I mean, it's just... They're a Laodicean. They're going, but they're, they're it's dead. They're, there's just nothing to their faith. Nothing. Other than standing in a building on a Sunday. No, they're not definitely not looking to the future. Verse 16, he says, See then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Boy, he does he not take a firm stance on this position? You are lukewarm. You're trying to serve both me and uh, the world. And when you serve the world, who are you serving? Satan. You're trying to serve both things, and you're not. No, um, that's not. That doesn't work. That's not how it works when you come to, you either believe in God and Jesus, or you believe in Satan. Remember, we went through uh, the epistles of John. We kind of learned that. Um, it's one or the other. And and people hear that and they go, well, now you, you're just saying one way, there's only one way? Yeah. Yeah. Because that's what the Bible says i mean i've read it i've heard preaching from it i have i've heard those messages and i've studied it out and it makes sense it makes sense i've studied the other positions that other churches or religions may have and that doesn't make any sense it doesn't make any sense so yeah there's only one way and take a position take a position that you know over the years i've, I've off you know i've often seen people that they just have you ever met that person who's always Switzerland? You know, they just won't take a position on anything until they take a poll and see where everybody's at. You know what I mean? Well, I don't, I don't know. No, it seems like an easy thing here. It's right and wrong, and I want to, I'm going to stand up for this position. Well, let's talk to a few more people first. Let's Google it. See what Google says. <laughs> what? I mean, no, take a position. And that's what God's saying here. Take a position. Stand up for me or don't. But don't stand up for me while walking in the world and, and living this uh, debauchery kind of lifestyle. That's not appropriate. I spew you out of my mouth when you do that. Verse 17 goes on. He says, Because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have need for nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Boy, doesn't that you kind of put it right when, you know, we live in a very wealthy society, do we not? Times are hard right now, but we're still living very good compared to many, many other people. But all that What's, what's all that mean? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. 
Verse 18, he continues, he says, I counsel thee to buy me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment. Uh, they've known, they know from their city, uh, they're, po they're popular for their black raiment. He's saying, no, 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 no. By white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. Be pure. Be pure with me. If, if, you're, if you take the position with me, you have that pureness about you, that innocence. Lack of guilt. Well, I've seen guilt just eat people alive. Stuff that maybe happened who knows when that they haven't dealt with properly and it just eats them alive. Once you have Jesus on your side, you don't have to have that guilt. He's, he takes it from you, right? He takes it from you. And then he says, And anoint thine eyes with thy salve that thou mayest see. Again, he's using something that they're going to be familiar with. And he says, you know, put that and then, and then, and then wipe it away and you're going to see the world differently. Don't you? I mean, you see stuff that you used to be a part of and you're like, wow, I didn't realize that damaged me the way it did. Or how it influences others and why I wouldn't want to be a part of it if for that reason alone. It just, it, I've, others, and thankfully I never fell into the trap, but others struggle with this issue, so why do I want to support that or be a part of it? You see the world different. I didn't know before I got saved that I wasn't happy. Right, you don't realize it, do you? No, that's good. That's good. And then you you find another way to live that's just contrary to everything you were before and that you really from when you were lost you'd think about what that must be like and you're like, ah, that can't be fun. <laughs> I mean you listen to sermons all day long? Really? How's that interesting? Oh, it's phenomenal. Have you ever uh, when we go on long trips now, uh, we just listen to sermon after sermon after sermon. Man, you take a long trip, you are you have got some Holy Spirit talking to you. You've listened to twelve sermons in a day, right? But it's fun. It's good. It's good stuff. And others, they look at that and they're just like, "What? Yeah, that's what I want to do." Or you listen to good worship music. Spirit-filled worship music. I, I mean, it can lift you in a way that nothing else can. Laodicea equated wealth and prosperity with spirituality. They saw being wealthy, having the nicest church, having all the projects, having the biggest steeple, having all this stuff as we stand out we're doing what God wants us to do, and so we're doing what we need to do. They felt that they had they were blessed by God because they had been blessed with these material possessions. Well, we're doing things right because look how God's blessing us. Hmm. Careful. And through that, they became self-sufficient, self-centered, independent, prideful, boastful. Look what we've built. 
Look at the church that through hard work we have built this to what it is today and the number of people that walk through those doors every day. Man, boy, haven't we done something. <clears throat> That's a bad, you know, until you recognize that Jesus is the one who did it, you're not even going down the right road. People out on the street, they're starving to death, and these people are in there, they're feeling very good about themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's a sad thing. That's right. And then we have verse 19. He says, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. One interesting thing that we saw in some of the other letters that he would refer to is a remnant. You know, we have a we have a church here who is dead, or you're losing your first love, but there's a remnant here that's doing good. Keep doing what you're doing while we're working on this, right? We saw we've seen that. He doesn't refer to a remnant at all in this letter. This entire church is lukewarm. This entire church is, I mean, it's a dead church. And, they're, they're, and it's even more than a dead church. It's a living apostate church. But he says, as many as I love. Well, some may read this and they may go, well, he's talking about the people that have come to me before and, I, you know, I, they now are part of um, heaven with me. They've accepted me. And I did that because I rebuked and chastened. Well, here he's saying he still loves every single person in that dead church. Remember John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world. Every person that's come into that church that right now is taking an apostate position, He loves them. And He wants them to accept Him, right? And He'll accept them in a heartbeat, wouldn't He? If they do it His way. But there's a flip side to that. You know, we serve a God that wants people to be aside with Him and, and accept Him. But those who continue to, to turn Him away and turn their backs on Him, there comes a point where He says, I rebuke and chasten you. There's a side of judgment, too. We don't talk about it as much as we do the blessings side and the, the side of the, the, uh, uh, the, the gifts and the greatness that awaits us in heaven, right? I mean, that's we love talking about that part. But there's another side to that. Those that continue, that are lost, we should be, that he's asked us to go find they see they're gonna they get judgment. They get rebuked. 
He says in verse 19 again, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. I love you, but if you continue to I rebuke and I chasten you, what can you do about it? Be zealous. Have you ever been accused of being a fanatic? <laughs> You're one of those Bible-thumping people, aren't you? I was talking to one of my co-workers uh, this week because I, I've been talking all week about the Lions going to the championship game this Sunday. I've waited 40 years for this. Cindy used to say, that because they were so bad, she said, well, now, if they ever go to the Super Bowl, you can go. Yeah, well, now it looks like maybe, right? It's in Las Vegas. I wouldn't want to go. <laughs> I'll watch it on TV. But I was talking with one of my coworkers, and I said, well, I explained to her kind of what I was going to do. I said, well, I got church in the morning. I got church at night. And then we have a leadership meeting uh, after church, which is going to be a long meeting. We're going over budget and stuff, so it may be 9 o'clock before I get home. And she's like, well, just skip. I mean, you've been waiting 40 years for this. I said, I know. And then Matt's going to ruin it for me, too. But, I, I mean, there's, I can't stay home and watch that. You wouldn't enjoy it. Right. You ran the recorders? Yeah, well, that's the thing. I can record it, right? It's going to be a long service tonight, I'm telling you. It'll be a longer night if you stay and watch it. <laughs> it is. But I already told them I'm going to be in late, so I don't know. We'll see how I, how I oversleep. Somebody may look at that. Well, you're just being, you're, that's a little overzealous, you think? No. No. I mean, it's really not. Um, that's just something of this world that I enjoy, but it's not spiritual. It's not long term. It's not going to make any difference really whatsoever other than I'm going to smile and possibly cry for a little bit if they win. But, no, nah, you know, it's that was an easy decision. Wasn't a hard decision for me. And I'm sure you guys have similar stories, you know, of folks who, you know, really? Why do you have to go to church tonight? We have this other thing. That's just what, that's what I do. Uh, I want to give God His time, right? I want to worship with Him. Um, and he says, be zealous and repent. It doesn't do any good to be zealous if you're in this lukewarm, half-committed type of position, right? Well, I'm... I'm living this way, and I, you know, while I'm at the casino, I'm telling everybody how zealous I am about my local church. That's not what he's talking about, right? No, be zealous. Be all in. Be committed fully. That's what he's saying. And then I love verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Now, i got to admit, I read... A lot of different commentaries on this and 
listened to a lot of different sermons on this, trying to kind of decide what's he mean here. And then, you know, one of the one of the ones I saw the most uh, said he's saying, you know, I'm, I'm standing, I'm, I'm standing, I'm knocking on your heart, right? Come to me. I'm right here. I want in. You're halfway there. Just let me in fully. I'm, I'm knocking. It continues, if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him. So yeah, and I think that's a, a viable uh, conclusion that you could take from that verse. You know, be zealous, repent, and then listen to that knocking in your heart. If you're saved, you have heard that knocking and felt it. I mean, you've, you have felt that knocking in your heart. And then you accepted it. You let them in. You opened the door, right? But I think there might be another conclusion that we could take from this that I don't think is wrong, but another way, because throughout this whole letter, who's he writing the letter to? The church. Laodicea. We have a church here who is lukewarm. We have a church here who is half committed. They're apostate. They're living lies and they're sending people to hell based off those lies, even though they say they're for him. Who died for the church, right? He did. And all he's doing is he's knocking on that door of the church saying, let me into my own church. Just let me in. You guys are, you built this place, you call it a church, you come and you worship, you say you're worshiping me, just let me in to be a part of it. Let me in to be a part of it. You know, the let me, if you, through working your sermons and through your teaching, would just seek my guidance and your help in doing those things instead of having an attitude of, well, look what I've done. If you just let the Holy Spirit kind of speak to you and build those things, then now we can make a change in the membership. If the leadership, if the pastor would really seek the Holy Spirit and do what he needs to be doing as a leader and funneling that down leadership-wise, and it's his church. And they're not letting them in. They're doing their own thing. And that's why he takes such a firm stance here. I will spew you out of my mouth. That was my church. And you t took it over, basically. The world took over Christ's church. Look at some of these churches that are popping up nowadays. And we kind of, you know almost mockingly kind of go, ah, I don't want what they're doing. That is a major stance. They pop that word church up. That word church means something. When you see church, you think God's church, shouldn't you? When in reality, they're sending people to hell through their teachings. That's blasphemous. I mean, it's a, it's a huge deal. I think that's why he takes such a firm stance with this church here.
Let me in. Let them into the church. Then I can start knocking on individuals' hearts as well and start getting full acceptance of the membership. Verse 21, To him that overcometh I will grant to sit with... Excuse me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne. I'm trying to think of, of one ruler who would ever allow the most lowly peasant to ever come sit with him in, in, in the throne. Even today. <laughs> you think Biden's going to call you this afternoon, Ken, and go, if you got time, come up to D.C. You can sit behind my desk. He may, just from dementia, but... I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. That's political, I shouldn't have went there. But they wouldn't do that. I, uh, when I went to the FBI Academy, it's been about, it's been 15 years ago because we're planning a reunion later this year with some guys that went with me. We got to take a tour of the Capitol building. And we took a, it was a late night tour. Uh, so nobody was there except our group and uh, we got to go in places that most people don't get to go because we had the Capitol Police officers who was in our class even. Uh, the House of Representatives chambers was being worked on. It was under construction so we couldn't go in there. But we went into the Senate and unlike the folks a couple years ago that did that, we were allowed to do it. And one of the first things, I mean, I'm walking up uh, that year, uh, Teddy Rose, Theodore, not Teddy. No, Teddy. What was, um, thought Kennedy, Teddy Kennedy died. It was, I mean, he died, I think, while we were there. Uh, and whether you say that about his politics and his, his story, I mean, that's neither here nor there. He, he served uh, our government for years. I mean, he was kind of the, the grandfather of the Senate at that time. And we walked in, and I walked up to the desk, one of the Senate desks, and they had these little brass plaques on that had engraved whose desk that was. And I walked up to the one that said, Teddy Kennedy. And the one that said uh, McCain. I saw the desks they sit in. I, I mean, it gave me goosebumps. I've always been a little bit of a history guy. Um, and we saw the 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 chair where the where the uh, uh, it would be. Well, in this case, it would be the. Yeah, the, who, the, whoever runs the Senate, which is technically the vice president, right? So we're, we're there, and, and then I, one of my classmates jumps into one of the desks and puts his feet up on the desk. You know, um, no, the, the people in charge didn't have to because those of us in his class went up to him and, get up! This is, no, you don't treat this place like that. As, as cool as that was, and I, I, neither one of those men, 
politics-wise, I was 100% behind. But I wouldn't have sat in their chair. I wouldn't have done it. It just, it would have been rude. It would have been dishonorable. I just, I just wouldn't have done it. God tells you, you can sit in His chair. I mean, you can right there with Him as a co-ruler. I mean, there's... I'm, you're not going to find a person worldly like that. In history of any king, I mean, you so much, there was kings in the past. If you looked them in the eye, they would have you killed much less come on have a seat probably if they were to say that you'd immediately get worried right <laughs> looking back at some of the rulers in time I grant you to sit with me in my throne he says even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne I get it. I lived amongst you. But I did it in a way that shows how it can be done. A sinless life. I overcame for you. He says, I overcame. Can you not? I mean, you got one foot in, one foot out. Can you not just accept me? That's all I'm asking. Just accept and then repent. And then be zealous. Show some commitment. But do it in a way that gives him the credit, right? Because we've done nothing. 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 So we're finishing out now the, those seven churches. I, I enjoyed that study. That was uh, one of the... Um, ones I've enjoyed the most. So we're going to continue next week into chapter 4. We're getting close here in probably two more weeks or so. We're going to start studying out the seal judgments as God starts opening up those judgments, that's those seals on that scroll, on that deed of the earth. Remember, he created it. He owns it. He's saying, I, I want you to be with me, but if you won't, I'm going to judge. I'm going to cleanse. Everybody eventually is going to bow. And we're going to see that work start to work its way out in verse 4 and 5 as we continue on. So, uh, all right. Brother Kid, you want to release this?